Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks, Byron. Right, let's just quickly pray before we get into it, church. Just wanna... Father God, just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you that I get to share your word this morning, Lord. I just pray that you anoint this and that it's something that's relevant and useful for the day. In your mighty name, amen. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. So when I was um, first asked to preach during this month, I knew it was on the, um, the finance theme so I was like I was I was pretty um a little bit nervous at first because I was like oh I'm I'm pretty young I'm only 24 like what have I got to show for myself but then I found out I'm on the faith side of it so I I actually don't have to have done anything yet I just have to believe for it so that's it (laughs) no but seriously it's uh, it's it's quite funny because I've over this this season that Hayley and I are in at the moment we've actually well I've actually put a lot of thought into this and how I express my faith in my finances, like where we're at at the moment, in case you don't know. Um, a year ago, Hales and I both graduated from university. I did a Bachelor of Engineering and a Bachelor of Science, and Hales did a Bachelor of Health. Then we went out job hunting. I got my, my first good job at a process automation company, so I've had that for just over a year now, and it's going well. We bought our first house in February... Yeah, signed up to lots of <laughs> debt. Woo! Um, pressure at work now. And now we've got a baby on the way. So, like, I'm having a crack, guys. I'm having a crack. So, <laughs> but, so I was thinking about faith and finance. And I was thinking our financial situation isn't an indicator of our spiritual life unless it is. Now, I... I had this idea, if you listen to Bethel Podcast, they did say it, but I swear I had this idea, okay? <laughs> I was, because in year 12, I did religious studies, and we studied the Jewish faith, and Christianity, we came from the Jews, pretty close, we could talk about them, and so there's quite a common theme rabbis have where there's yes and no, and so there's, there's like a both kind of thing, and it was actually very frustrating, because we got taken to the um, synagogue in Bondi, and we would like hassle this... Um, rabbi on why he doesn't believe in Jesus and stuff like that, just to be, I don't know, just to be cheeky. But half the time you back him in the corner and he'd be like, yeah, you're right. And then we'd get him like, ha ha, got you. And he goes, no, no, that's also right. You're like, oh, what? So it's like a yes and no. And I think it's frustrating and it can be used as a scapegoat, but I think if you're using it with the right attitude, it's, it's, um, it's actually quite powerful and it's quite clever, I think. There is nuances and there is yes and no's in life. It's not just Yes, like, okay, you're wealthy, that means you've got a good relationship with God. No, not at all. It doesn't mean that at all. But sometimes you are blessed. It's just like if you go to the gym and there's some real buff Fabio guy with long hair, that's no indication of his relationship with God. It was for Samson. Do you know what I mean? There's different situations where it happens. And then if we look in Genesis 13, we're talking about Abram, which is like Abraham before we changed his name. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Very rich. And he was mentioned in Hebrews as one of the patriarchs of faith. So this guy had an extreme amount of faith, and he was rich. 
We then look at the other parables that Pastor Chris was talking on with the talents and stuff like that. And at the end, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. There is a link there. It's not an exclusive link. It's not a if and only if, if you want to get mathematical. But it, there is a link if it applies. All right. That's, my, that's where I'm coming from. So I'm, I'm going to be talking about if it does work or if it's is the, the relationship that's there. So let's turn to Matthew 14, if you've got a Bible. If you don't, that's all right, I'm going to read it to you. We're going to be reading the story of feeding the 5,000. It's a classic, but it never gets old. So, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evenings, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away, but give them something to eat. And they said to him, We, are, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. In John's version it said they got it off a lad. So we're assuming a small boy, but the same story. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down in, on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to the heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. All right, so normally when I preach or I try to structure a message... I try to wrap it all together and slowly unravel it out, and it's kind of like, wow, look at that. It all fits nicely. But um, today I'm going to try the old, like, boom, 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 three points. So I'm going to have faith and finance, because with finance, we're going to hit it. So I've got pride, investment, and mindset, or P-I-M, or PIM. That made me think of that. <laughs> has, anyone, has anyone had PIMs, that drink, that English drink? Yeah, it's pretty good. So I thought, let's go with that. You'll remember that. Um, this, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I just go nuts for them. I'd probably be more productive at work if I didn't, but that's all right. Um, on the way home from work this Friday, I was listening to one called Modern Love. Now, this came from a New York Times article kind of thing, but they've put it into a podcast, so now they get, like, um, actors and the authors to talk about it and read the short stories. And this week was a pretty, um, pretty interesting one. It was about this couple who had been married for, I don't know, like a long time. They had kids that were all growing up. And then one day, she, the wife thought they had a great marriage. And then the husband walked in one day and said, I don't love you anymore, I never, and I don't think I ever did, kind of thing. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, that would be my tipping point. Like, get out. It's like, I'd be ready to go. Let's go. And then, but um, she was like, she took it really well. She said, Okay, and she realized that he was going through something, and she said, okay, what can I do to help you through this? And so they were lived in the same house, but he ignored her for six months. And she just took it. And like he would just come home at crazy hours. He would, wouldn't come to family barbecues. He just, whatever he was going through, she just took it on the chin. And very admirably, I was like, wow, this is a very strong woman. And um, I don't know... It's just like, this is not marriage counselling, I'm just saying it was a story that touched me. So anyhow, um, I was listening to it and I was feeling compassion for this man, saying, oh, he must be going through something rough. He wasn't cheating on her, it wasn't like that, but he was just 
not loving her and it wasn't part of the relationship. I'm thinking, oh, what's he going through? It must be something really bad or something. And then I thought, well, wow, and he's got this, he's got this such a strong wife. And they progressed through it. And in the end, he came around. He'd like, he just realized that, wow, I've got this wife who loves me this much that she stood by me and taken all this caca like, <laughs> and still loves me. And I was like, wow. And then at the end, she said, he came in on Thanksgiving, bowed his head and said, I'm thankful for my family. And then she said, and I realized what it was. I'm like, oh, yes, what is this? Pride. And I was like, oh, as soon as she said that, and I was like, oh, no, I sympathize with this bloke. And I'm like, I'm prideful. <laughs> and the reason is I had a shocker of a day on Friday. I was at the, um, the power station all week at Musselbrook, and um, we're in... And I used my laptop all the time, so I was there configuring this new historian. And um, I'm usually all right at the computers. I'm no Dale, but I can look after a computer, right? And my computer died. So we're meant to be doing this job, and it just blue screen, da-da-da, death. Your computer's gone. And I'm like, oh, no. And then they all blame it. They're like, what did you do to it? And I'm like, I don't know. And it was such an embarrassment. I took it so personally. It was like, it, was a, it bruised my pride. And I was, they weren't nasty to me. Perfectors actually a really nice company. They understood, but I just took it way too far. And I was in a mood when I was listening to this. And then I realized when she said pride, I was like, I actually get that much identity from what I do. Like, I'm on, I could, that could be me in a couple of years if I didn't check myself. You know what I mean? So it actually really hit home. And so then I was thinking about this story of the boy. And, um, Quite often when I've heard people preach on this, it's like, oh, he gave the loaves and then there was all this stuff left over and he would have got to take it back and everything like that, which I'm sure he did. It doesn't mention it because I don't think that's the point of the story. But what I, what I saw when I saw this, I saw this boy was a smart, diligent boy. All these crowds, the multitudes of crowds, they didn't bring any food. This guy was prepared. He knew they were going into the wilderness and he had enough to get back to the villages and all this food. But he wasn't prideful or proud, too proud to share this. It wasn't like, no, 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 look, I'm prepared, you're not, kind of thing. And, and kind of wanted some glory from that. I mean, he chose to help Jesus feed the 5,000 instead of just feed himself and everyone go, oh, what a smart boy. Do you know what I mean? So I would rather be the guy that helps Jesus do a miracle than the guy who brought his lunch. Because I guarantee in 2,000 years' time, no one's going to care how good you are with your finances or, how, or impressed with anything like that. They're going to be more impressed if you're working with God and the things you achieve together. Together. All right. So, pride and faith. So, I think the issue with pride is a lot of the times as Christians, we say, I'm believing for more blessings from God. But at the very same time, we actually put the, the, the reason for our current situation on our own hard work. It's kind of like, well, I've worked hard. This is me. And now I want God to bless me because I've worked hard. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't work because what, what you're going to say, you want more of God's blessing, but at first you have to acknowledge that God's already blessed you. So pride needs to get out of the situation. It's not about what you've done. And um, it's kind of like at the moment, Haley and I are trying to renovate our house like crazy before this baby comes. And I'm getting a lot of help from my father-in-law. 
over there. There he is. He's pretty good too, just saying. But um, it'd kind of be like if I sat up here right now and said, I've worked so hard on this, these renovations, which I have, by the way, but anyhow, <laughs> I've worked so hard and I've done it all myself. <laughs> that would be kind of porky pies because Craig's the guy who's done all the carpentry, put up the load-bearing beams, set the, the sheets for me, told me how to do this, stepped it all out. Uh, yes, I've tried and I've been along the journey with him, but it was a togetherness kind of thing. And I couldn't have done it without him. I would have had a go, but it would look shocking. So <laughs> it's kind of like that's the way I kind of see it with God. It's that co-laboring together. Yes, you have worked hard and you do work hard, but it's only with God that you actually achieve the abundance that you're after. All right. So I think that's an indicator when we're going after our finances is what is your pride in them? Do you know what I mean? Does it define you? Like, do you, are you proud of where you don't shop or something like that? No, seriously. Like, um, I saw an ad for the reject shop the other day and then I was like, I don't shop at the reject shop. And I was like, oh, like, you know what I mean? That's a bit, check yourself, mate. Like, what's going on there? There's nothing wrong with the reject shop. Cross shops are the reject shop, see? No, see, my grandma shops there too. I mean, I've had good memories there. But I, that's what I thought. I, I assume most of you guys have that. Don't judge me if you don't. Or how about buying outside our comfort range? You know what I mean? Are you driving a car that you can't afford? or And you could have driven a $5,000 car instead of a $35,000 car or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Do you, does that define you? Are you like, no, I've earned this. I need a nice car or, no, I need to dress nicely because even though you can't afford it, like, there's nothing wrong with going to Kmart if you can't afford Country Road, it's fine. But I think if that's, if that's something that you've got to wrestle with, which is normal, by the way, everyone wrestles with it, but I think we need to check that. All right, so this leads into the second point. I think I'm doing all right with the segues, by the way. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the leader. So I'm thinking, when we're buying out of our comp- when we're buying more than what we can afford, we're using credit. We're going into debt to do this, and um, I think this is a hairy issue that we should really think about. And before we pull out our credit cards and stuff like that, I think we should really assess what we're doing here. And if we can't buy it with cash right now, why are we buying it with credit? Because um, that's pretty serious, a servant to the lender. Because when you're lending from the bank, we're meant to be in the world but not of the world. But then if you're a servant to the bank, the banks, let's be honest, do rule the world. Like if you watch The Big Short or something like that, the banks just like did what they want. But so that's you're actually being a servant to the bank. And... Um, Tasha Eagle actually gave me a book to read and was, um, I'll just grab it, The Money Mysteries from the Master. And this guy, he took it very seriously. Like, he was like, I don't even want to borrow money to buy a house. Now, I don't do that. That's pretty hardcore. But I think, I think it's something we all need to think about. Like, where are we comfortable in borrowing? Because maybe you, God is pushing you to be an example and be like, no, go buy a house outright. You know what I mean? Maybe trust God for that. Instead of doing something else. I mean, Hales and I, I've, we feel comfortable in that if we're in, if like all up, we're net positive if we sold all our assets and stuff like that. I'm, I'm comfortable to do that. Maybe you aren't. Maybe you are. 
where I'm not comfortable, like we do have a credit card and we set it up and I use it regularly, but I use it because I've got an offset home loan thing and my family makes fun of me for this because I'm pretty strict with it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Mum offered to um, buy some stuff for the renovations because she had a credit card she wanted the frequent flyer points. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And then I told her, by the way, I'm not paying you to the end of the month because I'll have to pay interest. <laughs> and so she was like going to town, like, oh, I hope you'd save up your 50 cents or whatever. And I'm like, and it wasn't 50 cents, by the way. Like the difference between one month and the next, I have saved 50 bucks. I'm pretty happy with that. So that's right. <laughs> but so that's how we use it. We can always, if the bank wanted to cash in, we go, there's your money, leave us alone. That's how we use our credit card. And um. That's where I feel comfortable with God when I pray and when we think about it, that's where my comfort level is. But I definitely think everyone should have that knowledge of where their comfort level is and where God has convicted you your comfort level is. Um, I just want to hit this home a little bit more. Like We talked about Abraham. One of Abraham's biggest, like he had two big fumbles. Like, you know what I mean? Like one of his fumbles was when he didn't wait for his son. He went and slept with Sarah's maidservant. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes if we don't have what we want sometimes, maybe, maybe that's for a reason. And maybe you're going out and doing this and not trusting God for it instead. I think that can be an element of it sometimes. Take it or leave it. But I just want to push more. So I'm talking in investment. So then... I know, I think a lot, I listen to, again, podcasts, I listen to Freakonomics and stuff like that. I pretend like I'm an economist. I'm not, but I'd pretend. <laughs> so here's my thing. So um, I learn about like fiat money and uh, classical economics and neoclassical economics and the difference in how we've moved into more neoclassic economics, which means we're not going from like the produce and everything like that. We've moved into more finance kind of area, larger governments kind of controlling and to me, it's like, oh, I look at this and I, I read a statistic. All of the money in the world, so everything, 97% of it is debt. And to me, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. Like, I don't even know how that happens. Like, I thought there was meant to be like an 80% something. Was it, was it exactly like 80% or something the bank needs to have of their loans? So how do we get to 97? I don't know. But <laughs> that's crazy. And... Um, <laughs> It's true. It's like that's I did. I get worried about that. And but the thing is, that's not the only thing. I'm not only investing in our world economy or in the Australian economy. So um, if we look at the the story, let's just just do some number crunching. So I thought conservatively, like a barley loaf's not that big. Let's just say everyone was full. They say they were filled with half, like a quarter of a loaf and a quarter of a fish, which I think they did more than that. But anyhow. Let's just go with that. And then I thought 12 baskets left over. So let's just say he used a basket to carry the food with him. So you could fit another five loaves and two fish in the basket. So there's another 12 left over. That would mean there was an increase of by 512 times for loaves and 1,262 times for fish with those conservative numbers. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good return on investment in like <laughs> a matter of hours. I mean... <laughs> That's good. And um, yeah, it's crazy. It's actually very crazy. I wish my house went up that big. But um, <laughs> I think when we are investing into God's kingdom, so I mean, not only tithing, but also with our building funds and stuff like that, you're actually 
like diversifying our point for, uh, portfolio and we're leveraging in, in the sense of you're taking holy money now because you give into God's economy, he's going to bless your money now that we're putting into this economy and it's going to act differently. I don't, and it's, it's real. I know it sounds corny and everything like that, but it's, it's real. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, this is where it comes down to the, the real deal. We say we're Christians, we say we've got faith, but where's your evidence in that you believe in this unseen? If you're not giving, if you're not, like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're, you can be um, loving people. But that's, that can be ambiguous, you know what I mean? Like, I could say I'm a tough lover or something like that. And you could say, well, you're not being very loving. Or there's other, other things that just aren't as tangible and not as evident as your finances, your money. So if, if your faith is evidence of things not seen, giving into this realm that's unseen is faith in this unseen realm. And, it's, is, and then there's the evidence. So giving is the faith kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That's, what, that's how it works. All right. This is point three now, our mindset. Now, this is one I've wrestled with a bit. And at, when I was a younger man, um, <laughs> I'm getting older. That's good. But um, all right, when I was a teenager, I used to listen to all these finance stuff and the whole poverty mindset, work class mindset, and the rich mindset. And I was like, yeah, well, whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, just work hard and then get paid. But I think there is, I think there is these mindsets. And the, the older I'm the getting, the more I'm trying, like I'm observing and learning, there is a difference. Some people work just as hard as other people, but they seem to get more money. Some people do put in just as much research into where they invest and everything like that, but they don't get the same returns. And I, I don't think it's... It's as simple as like a, as luck. I don't like. I think there is. I think there's more to it. I think a mindset's part of that. Proverbs three ten, honor the Lord from your wealth, and from the first of your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. So let's just quickly honor the Lord from your wealth. To me, that means um, savings, like your wealth and everything like that. This is stuff that's already been. So that's pre-tithe. To me, that already speaks of giving. And the first of your produce. That, to me, sounds like a tithe. The first of your produce. But then we're called to do more than that here. If you want your barns to be filled with plenty of investor overflow of new wine, it's saying, with your wealth, what you've already saved up, and from the first of your produce. So there's the two of them there. And so... When I, when I'm, by the way, too, if I'm going to talk examples about people, and I'm not using anyone in this church, I, actually know, I know other Christians too, so when I say Christians, it's not you guys, don't worry, I wouldn't be that silly to <laughs> just look away like, oh, someone. But um, I've met a lot of Christians who want to be rich to be lazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, they want God to bless them so that I can sit back, kick my feet up, and have a good life. And I, that comes from a, a poverty mindset, like, I want more to do less. If we look at this, this um, proverb here, I think 
Godly abundance is different. When you get more wealth and more abundance, you actually get more responsibility and more to work with, and you can be busier. Like, look at this. Your barns will be filled with plenty. You've got to build a new barn now, and your vats are overflowing with new wine. So you've got to build a new barn. You've got to make sure no one's stealing your stuff. You've got all this stuff. Now you have to, go to get up early, go to the markets, and sell it if you want to make money. Plus, you don't want to waste everything. Like, God's just blessed you with this, so you've either got to preserve it or give it away or find out what to do with it. You've actually got more responsibility now than someone who's just got an empty barn who's fixing their roof and then just going to plant seeds next season it's actually more work and i don't think it's something we should be shying away from i don't know about you but i i like working and i look at like some of the men around my life i don't okay there's is women too but i'm just thinking in my situation like my father my father-in-law or my supervisors at work and they're getting success and recognizing their business. I look at that and go, I want that. Yeah, they work really hard and they work big hours, but I want to do that because they're successful and people notice that. People look around and go, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, your dad gets flown around the, like, the world to do engineering? Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. I'm pretty pumped. And like, he works very hard and I didn't look at it and go, oh, I don't want to work that hard. Like, no, I want to work that hard. I like it. I like going to work. I like going to site. I just, I don't know. It just gets me going. I like to work. But, um, but this is my issue. This is my issue. So I don't think I have as much a poverty mindset as I got like a working class mindset. I was growing up very much in you work and you get what you deserve. So it's like you work nine to five. There's your hourly rate. Use this portion and do with it what you will. Do you know what I mean? See how much you can get going with that. The kingdom of God isn't like that, like he gives according to ability. And um, one of the, the biggest ways that I learned from this is when you guys gave me a guitar, you know what I mean? Like I was extremely embarrassed with that because why do I need a guitar? <laughs> you know what I mean? I could save up. Like I'm doing renovations now. If I really wanted to save up and get another Gretsch, I probably could, but I'm not. But you guys all saw me and decided, hey, let's buy Zach his dream guitar, which it was my dream guitar, by the way. Like, I wanted a Gretsch, because Nigel Hendroff from Hillsong had one, and Ryan Smith at C3 had one, okay? But, and it was given to me, and it was, it actually, like, I was embarrassed. I, I didn't want to tell people, because it was like, well, what did you do that for? Or like, oh, they must, like, what did you do? Or they must want something from you. And it's like, well, no, they don't. It's, they just blessed me. And, um, I mean... I don't forget it either. Like, I got another. I hope it's here now. This is going to be awkward. Now here it is. I got a note when you gave it to me. I still hold it in my Bible. You know what I mean? That's. It's like to me, this is like my colourful coat in terms of Joseph. So, um, it's a lot easier to jump around and be a little bit too excited when you're worshiping when you know that your church supports you. Do you know what I mean? When you know that that happens. So. Thank you, and it's also taught me something that I've got a working-class mindset that I've got to break and try and help others break too. Oh, so, where am I going? I got carried away with that, but that's all right. Um, the mindsets, thank you, thank you. And then also I think if we're going to tie this mindset into the pride issue, that's also a poverty mindset. So if you are struggling with this, because I, th- I think it's good if you're going to be praying and dealing with this, it's really good to know what you're struggling with this so then you can actually pray specifically, God help me with this kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I think that's actually quite powerful. It's like when 
Bill Johnson prays for healing, he gets information about it and talks specifically to that situation. So this is just all helping. And again, like I said, I've got, I'm trying to work towards this kingdom mindset now, and I know I've got to work on. So this pride points to a poverty mindset because when you're impoverished, what you own or how much money you have defines like, hey, look, see, I'm not poor because I've got this kind of thing. So that's how it's tied into there. So I feel with this faith and finance and how it's intertwined with each other and how, yes, it can be an indicator of your relationship with God, but it doesn't have to be. I think the things that get in the way in the case that it doesn't have to be can be our pride and what, where, what, like who we are giving the glory to for our achievements. Because as great as you are, it's not all you. Two, what are we investing in? Okay, you may say you've got faith in God and you believe that he will bless you, but if you're not giving money to God or like part of that of saying, yes, God has blessed me, so I will give this money back to God because it is God's, how can you say, I want to be blessed or don't worry about it or like, darling, we're going to pay the mortgage, it's okay, God will bless us if you're not building, like putting into the church and tithing and giving and trying to be generous. Like, I don't know what foot you've got to stand on to do that. And three, what mindset is this coming from? Are we doing this from a, a kingdom mindset? A mindset of, okay, it doesn't make sense. Why did he give the one talent to the ten talent man? Why didn't he give it to the five talent man? I don't know. God distributes wealth according to our ability. And I don't think until we mentally prepare and are ready for the abundance, you're not going to get the abundance. Because God gives according to each's own ability. So, this is like a, a dual thing. This is much for me as for everyone else because I'm pointed out, I'm still young, having to go, trying to set myself up. So, this is what I want to leave you with. The same questions that I pose to myself quite regularly when we're coming up to some sort of big situation in our life or what are we going to invest in, what are we going to put our time into and stuff like that. I just first look, why am I doing this? Is this so I can show off? Is this so I can say, hey, I've bought a house? Or is this because I'm setting up myself so I can provide for people in the future? Two, are we investing into God's economy? Have, have you made a commitment to church? Do you know what I mean? Have you done, are you tithing? Which is, again, that's the very basics from, from the first year projects, but also are you giving and being generous? And... Do you have a mindset that's stopping or limiting you? And this is a tricky one because you may not see that yourself until something happens or breaks that or until a good friend or something says, mate, I think you've got like some entitlement on you or I think something, blah, blah, blah. I think and you go, oh, that, that kind of stung a bit. And that's true. I think we need to be constantly checking these three things to achieve this kind of glorifying God financially. And without that, I don't think we'll get there. So, together, let's just keep pushing on, loving God, giving Him the glory, investing into His kingdom with our money and also our time. Like, let's, let's put in everything we've got and work together into opening up these kingdom mindsets. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm only 24 
I've still got so much to learn, so much to achieve, master, and then share with everyone as I'm going. So um, thanks, guys. I hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.